Hello and welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, both empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Ah, that was great. Uh, it's great to be here this morning and great to be preaching on this message of worship. And I found some stuff out that may be of interest to you. So um, I, I don't know if you know this, but this is something I've preached for years and years on worship. So we want to flick that picture up on the screen, Amos. I think it's there that Dan- Danielle just did for me. Uh, no, it's not a scripture, it's a picture. Um, it's the, uh, where is it? it? Is Danielle there? Amos, have you got it there? No, it's not that one either. Oh my gosh, it's, what, what, Danielle, where is it? Yeah, that's it, thanks. Thanks, everyone. All right, um, so often we, if we go to the left, left-hand side of the screen, when we're thinking about worship, we often think this way, that the people on the stage are the actors, they're the performers. They're the ones that are kind of, you know, doing their thing. And the audience often sees them, well, the congregation often sees themselves as the audience, right? We come in here and we get, we get blessed, blessed uh, with our worship, with, with what's going on on stage. And God is the prompter. So God is prompting the musicians and, and all of that and prompting us in regards to, you know, we're trying to get something from God in our worship. In actual fact, the right way to be thinking about this is this way here on the right-hand side, that the people on the stage are the prompters. They are prompting you. Uh, they are the prompters. They're the ones, it's like a theatre, you know, like you have a prompter out the back curtain yelling the, 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 the lines so you don't forget the lines. That's what this team do. That's worship. And then, of course, you've got the congregation who are the actors. We are the actors. We are the performers. What do you mean? Is this a performance? No, it's not a performance, but we are the ones who are actually worshipping. We are the worshippers. These guys here are the prompters. They're showing us, they're teaching us, they're, they're revealing to us how to worship in this moment for the glory of Christ, to glorify Jesus, okay? And then you've got this whole concept of God being the, He's the audience, Okay, so He receives our worship. We bless Him. You're not here to be blessed. You're here to bless God. Okay, you got it? So it's, we get blessed as well, because, but only if we worship in a way that is the way that we've been designed to worship. You and I have not been designed to just stand there and Google the worship team. Google the worship team, sorry. Uh, that's not what you're here for. You're here to actually be, be prompted to now lead who you are and the way that God's wired you into a place of worship that takes you, in, takes you into a connection with God. Okay, you got me? Okay, so this is what I discovered. Are you ready for this? This is really amazing. I hope it's amazing. It was amazing when I saw it. And uh, I hope you find it amazing as well. But there is a very interesting dynamic um, that every word that describes worship in Scripture describes a posture of the body. Without exception. A posture of the body. You've got worship and you've got a posture of the body in the same, basically same sentence, same line. Same breath. Interesting. I'm going to go, uh-oh. 
What's this going to mean? Every word describes a posture of the body when it comes to worship. I'll give you some examples. First of all, we'll start with the head and we'll work our way down. Good idea. Genesis 24 verse 26. Abraham's servant has gone off to Mesopotamia to seek a bride for Abraham's son, Isaac. He didn't know where he was going and he didn't know uh, who he would meet. But the Lord directed him without his knowing it and to the family of Abraham's brother, which was the traditional way to seek a marriage in those days. So when he realised that Rachel, whom he'd met, was Abraham's niece, it says this, says, and the man bowed down his head and worshipped the Lord. Like, this is amazing because I always thought that that was a religious thing to do, right? So we're knocking religiosity out of the, you know, I've preached on feasting and I've preached on communion. I've pre- but preached a whole lot of messages at the moment that have been more about, in my life, a very religious approach and a very religious practice to actually understanding uh, that there's so many religious practices that are really, really awesome if we can get a handle on it. And one of them is actually bowing your head. You know, it's the weirdest thing. I've been in prayer meetings where people are praying, like they are praying, and they're looking around all over the place. And you kind of open, you know, you kind of open your eyes, go, oh, you know, you kind of feel like they're staring at you or something like that. Anyone felt that before? Uh, but uh, but it's very, very uh, honouring, uh, and it's a very much an act of worship when you just simply bow your head. Or let's say grace, bow our head. Oh, let's pray, and we bow our head. It's actually a really, really cool thing to do. It's a very honouring thing to do. And it shows actually a little bit of submission to God when you actually do that. When you're just looking around and, you know, just stargazing and thinking you're praying at the same time, which you may be, but in actual fact, it's an honouring thing to actually bow your head. Isn't that good? Exodus chapter 4, verse 31. Um, we have the scene when Moses and Aaron return from the desert to bring uh, to the people, uh, bring the people of Israel out of slavery, of course, in Egypt. And God has, I mean, there was pretty much an amazing sense of awe, not necessarily celebration yet because they were still slaves in Egypt, but God had brought a deliverer and he was committing himself to deliver, uh, God was committing himself to deliver these Israelites out of slavery. And they gave the message to the elders of Israel, uh, that particular thing, that God was going to deliver them. How did the elders respond? And it says this in Exodus chapter 4, verse 31, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that He had looked upon their affliction, then what did they do? They bowed their heads and what? And worshipped. Here's a, great, here's a great point. There's hardly any situation in which you cannot bow your head. <laughs> hardly any situation at all where you cannot bow your head. Uh, there are other situations which we will point out some physical postures that I'm going to mention that would not be appropriate in some situations. Uh, so bowing your head is actually a brilliant approach in um, particularly in public such as scenarios like maybe a restaurant. Anyone ever said grace in a restaurant? And you bow your head and you say grace and even that for some people can be quite difficult to do, but it is something you can do. It's a, it is actually a physical response and worship requires a physical response, by the way. And in nearly every situation, bowing your head can be done anywhere and anytime. And it would be inappropriate to adopt, to adopt some of the unusual postures, but we can always bow our head. 
So you don't go, you go, all go, oh, that's great, Brent. Oh, I don't mind just bowing, bowing my head. Um, but let's go, let's move on. We, we start at the head. We're going to work our way down. Uh, number two, we have some examples from David. Of course, King David was a great worshipper. David gives us two different postures of the hands now. We're going to the hands. Uh, Psalm says, chapter 63. David begins, he says, Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land or a parched land, weary land, where there is no water. See, he was in the wilderness of Judah at the time when he gives this prayer to the Lord, when he comes into worship. And he goes on to say in verse three, he said, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my what? My hands in your name. I will lift up my hands in your name. One of the most difficult things to do for many Christians is actually just to simply lift their hands. And whether it's actually some kickback from days gone by, I know in Annersbrook Church in the earlier, earlier years, if you raised your hands, you were seen as a bit of a radical. Isn't that right, AJ? Bit of a radical and uh, somebody who, particularly if you clapped your hands, like, you know, we'll get there soon. Uh, But uh, there was this whole biblical context of worship that wasn't just about bowing your head now, but we're moving on to actually raising your hands. To raise your hands is a biblical thing. Psalm chapter 141, verse 2, David's speaking again. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. Incense is what? Incense, every time incense is mentioned in Scripture, it it speaks of worship. Let let my prayer to you be as incense, a a worship to you, God. Uh, The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You know, in the temple, they had to offer every day a a morning and an evening sacrifice. And David says, please accept the lifting of my hands as the sacrifice at the close of the day. That's an interesting dynamic, isn't it, as part of our worship. Psalm chapter 143, verse six, David describes another posture of the hands. He says, I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you in a thirsty land. Again, David talking about this longing for God. And in the longing for God, there's this desire to lift his hands and the desire to stretch out his hands in worship and in prayer. Pretty cool, eh? Uh, I'm just giving you permission to, to, to just go for it. You know, don't be conservative English style type. I don't even know if it's English. Is it Scottish? I don't know. I'm, I'm something Scottish and I'm something English with a little bit of Napui in between. And uh, the Napui in me is coming out right now because I just want to lift my hands and raise my hands and sing. And I love to worship. I'm a worshipper and I love worshipping. Uh, but uh, I, I don't really enjoy just standing there. I don't feel like I'm really getting into it. But anyway, I was brought up to just stand there because you weren't really, you know, it was out of reverence and out of honour for God in some ways. But when you read Scripture, you find that there was a lot of honour and a lot of respect and a whole lot of other ways of, of, of worshipping. Okay, so you still with me? Okay. And I think there's a, a difference in the significance of both. I lift my hands and I stretch out my hands. I think that lifting your hands uh, to God is a, a, you're acknowledging God's majesty. You're acknowledging His sovereignty. And when you spread your hands, you're actually opening your, your, your life up to receive. You're opening up your hands to receive from God. It's kind of cool. You know, I'm receiving from God right now. I'm stretching out my, but I, I wanna honour you, God. I'll give you, I, 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 I worship you. Uh, I worship your majesty. Pretty cool, eh? Worship is indicated by the posture of your body. 
Your worship is indicated by the posture of your body. I know it's pretty tough to understand that and for some tough to hear that, but your worship is indicated by the posture of your body. They are connected. You can't get, have one or the other. We're not disembodied spirits floating around. We are people who live in very real physical bodies and God wants complete control of our bodies in worship. Uh, have a look at that, that picture of the praying hands there. That was written, uh, sorry, that was drawn in 1506 by this guy. And it's interesting that when he was asked to draw something that depict worship, it was actually of the hands. You would have kind of thought it would have been of the, 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 the mouth or, or, or something else, but it was actually, he depicted the picture of worship as being of the hands. And uh, it's remarkable that he didn't portray the mouth or even the face. It was the hands that represented the attitude of prayer and worship. It's really, really important. Now, another person who spread out his hands to the Lord was King Solomon when he dedicated the temple uh, that he'd built. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 12. Solomon uh, went a little further than just spreading out his hands. You'll see this here. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel and spread out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze platform, five cubits, blah, blah, blah. And he stood on it, knelt down on his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven. Not only did he spread out his hands, but he went down on his knees. Okay, another act of worship. Now, if you have an Anglican background, you'll be pretty used to this. Uh, in, the, in days gone by, they would have had a bit of a, a little bench out the front there uh, in front of your pew that you sat on. And for some lucky people, it had padding on it, which is always a good thing. It was so painful to be on your knees uh, for too long. And it wasn't always appreciated, I guess, uh, with an Anglican, for those of you who have had Anglican background. But I've got to say, you know, despite, we, we can't despise everything that, that we learn in our backgrounds. And um, even liturgical churches do, um, you know, the, they sometimes do a lot more right than we do, if you know what I mean. Uh, and it's just simply the answer is to, to that is nobody has all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. We all are part of the picture, right? We're not just one thing or the other. We're part of the picture altogether. Now, another person who knelt down in the New Testament, of course, was Paul. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14, for this reason I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when Paul prayed, when Paul worshipped, one of the things he normally did was to bow his knee. See, bowing your knees is an act of total submission and it's really, really important. Anybody, you know, if you haven't done it before, it's a great thing to do. I remember when I'd been sick for two years with myalgic encephalomyelitis and no cure, and I thought, this is going to be my life. I remember getting beside my bed and kneeling uh, beside my bed and saying, God, I'm, I'm, I trust in you with everything. I surrender, I surrender everything to you. I remember other moments, other defining moments where I've actually got on my knees before God in prayer and in worship and where God has touched my life and radically, radically changed my world. And this is the thing with worship. Worship changes you. Yeah. It actually changes you when you actually understand what it is to worship God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and all your strength. And, uh, and, and I, I find, someone said to me the other day, as a counsellor here in Nelson, and the, the person, we were talking about somebody who uh, needed some help, and a Christian person, and, uh, and the person said to me, the counsellor said to me, there's got to be something that's not yet submitted to Christ. 
in that person's life. And it's been my little favourite saying, to be honest, for quite some time now in regards to, hey, if you're having, if there's some issues, like, like I had a couple of people say to me just recently, I really make bad choices, Brent, in my life. And I thought, oh man, that's so uh, sad to actually live your life knowing that you're a bad choice maker. And I think part of the reason for it is, is because I haven't yet totally surrendered my life to Christ, that I keep making these bad choices. And I, and I do wonder if there is actually an act of worship where we get down on our knees and we say, God, I'm, your, I'm yours. You are mine. I am yours. And, uh, and I just want to encourage you with that. Worship and body posture go together. Oh, I know it's getting a bit tough in it now. <clears throat> a lot of, look, I, I think one of the things with getting on your knees and surrender is God, we're in a difficult situation right now. We don't have a house. We don't have any, you know, we, we, we don't know what, what's going to happen there. We, with our, our house has been kind of damaged through some stuff, you know, rain. And uh, the hill came down behind and all that sort of thing. But when you're, when you're going, look, look seriously, you're not meant to complain. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have every right to complain about your circumstance and your situation. Right? Um, I sort of thought, you know, because all my neighbours are back in their house, right, in their houses. We aren't. And I kind of, th- I don't know if I shared this with you, but I thought, God, what the heck? Why are we out and they're not? And, you, and I just heard God say, because you can handle it. Wow. <laughs> and it's this posture that's the important aspect of, of our life. So instead of complaining and arguing, like seriously, we've got to have some big arguments. Arguments with the insurance company, arguments with EQC, arguments with whoever else. It's so many people involved in this. Arguments with Grant Maxwell. Where's Grant right now? <laughs> I'm just joking. Grant the geotech. So, but I choose, we choose to simply pray, worship, and believe for the best outcome. So I, I it's, it's the, that's the art of worship. Stop complaining, stop arguing, get on your knees. One of the reasons why most marriages split up is because at some point they've lost getting on their knees and they've lost the prayer dynamic and the worship dynamic together. You might have your own worship time and your own prayer time, but if you're not having that kind of moment together, it doesn't mean you have to be in it all the time, but when there's, when there's seasons that you know you're going through where you've got to knuckle in uh, with God, then do it. Too often we get hardened heart, hearted and we lose the essence of worship and the essence of honour and respect of God and honour and respect of each other. And so those are the moments when you've actually got to knuckle and say, okay, come on, we've got to surrender. We've got to submit again to, to God. Amen? Okay, where do we get to? We're kneeling. We're kneeling. Okay, well, let's miss all that. Blah, 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 blah. All right, we've got the idea. 
Okay, okay, now there's another activity of the, uh, of the hands that we didn't deal with yet, which I would call uh, an act of worship, which we've done this morning. In fact, it's not even an issue now, but it used to be. Um, and, and it's sometimes more effective in praise than worship, but praise and worship are the same thing, really. I mean, we, we go from praise to worship, or sometimes you go from worship to praise. It doesn't really matter, but it's Psalm chapter 47, verse 1. And it says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Clap. Be a clapper in your life. Like we, we, you know, and um, and I'm not just talking about the Sunday service, right? I'm talking about your life. Like if anything good happens with our staff or in our senior leadership meetings or anything like that, we always clap. It's just become a thing. I think Dave King started it off and we've just picked it up and we just run with it. And it can be the most silliest thing. In fact, sometimes it can be a most difficult thing and we still clap even for that. Uh, but just clap your hands, all your people. Now look, shout to God with a voice of triumph. This is letting all the sing, those who don't sing off, off. Who don't sing off, who sing off, let you off. Because you don't have to sing. You can just simply shout. Okay, so here's an example. Jesus Christ is Lord. Wow, that hit my voice. But this is the thing, like, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Shout unto God with a voice of praise. You can just shout, you don't have to say, shout to the Lord, all the earth. Don't sing it, shout it. You'll get a breakthrough in your life. Why don't we all stand together just really quickly? Why don't we try this out? I'm gonna count to three. And on the count of three, one, two, three, you yell out, Jesus Christ is Lord, okay? But really, really loud. Let's see if city location can hear it and let's see if everybody on screen. By the way, if you are online, welcome. Uh, you're, gonna, you're about to do something really weird in your lounge. But I really hope you do, because it'd be awesome. If you wanna stand, come on, get off the, oh, okay, you're in bed, right. Yeah, gotcha. Having that cup of tea. Oh my gosh, got your slippers on. All right, we won't go, any, go, go there. But anyway, on the count of three, we're just gonna yell, we're gonna shout to God with a voice of triumph. Okay, it's a, it's a voice of victory. It's a voice of just confirming uh, who God is in your life. Just saying Jesus Christ is Lord. That's all it is. One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, let's do it again. One, two, three. Jesus Christ is Lord. Okay, let's do it one more time because some of you are kind of feeling like you're getting out of the strange, strangeness of it all. Here we go. One more time. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's awesome. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. That is awesome. Do you feel it? I felt it as you said it on that third time. It's like, whoa, this kind of wall starts coming down. You know, around the walls of Jericho, seven times round. And they, the last time round, they had to go and, uh, you know, they just shouted. They, they, they shouted with all their might breaks walls. And if you could do that tomorrow, the next day and the next day, just in your car, just begin to yell out, begin to scream out, begin to to raise your voice. Stop being so conservative. We're classified as Pentecostal, charismatic, swinging chandelier Christians, you know. So you might as well be that. That's how everybody sees us. Yeah, it's a really good point. Let's get a big chandelier in here. Shout 
unto God. Shout unto God. What a powerful, powerful thing. Hey, what about this one? Falling prostrate, you know, on your face before God. And when you do that, that has meaning too, really does. And the root problem of the fallen human race is the desire to be independent of God. It started with Adam and Eve. They wanted knowledge so that they wouldn't have to depend on God. And that's born into every descendant of Adam. This innate desire to be totally independent of Him, of God. It's called technically the old man, the old Adam. And it's interesting, God didn't send the old Adam to church. (laughs) Have you ever thought of this? He didn't send him to church. He didn't send him to Sunday school. He he didn't even teach them the golden rules, you know, even the Ten Commandments necessarily, although they had to obey that. But the old man, the old man only had one thing to, to deal with. God's solution for the old Adam was execution. It was death. That old man, Adam, has got to die. But here's the good news. I'm gonna finish off with this because this is kind of cool. And I've got so much more I wanna preach, but this is where I've got to finish. The good news is the execution of the old man, Adam, took place 2,000 years ago. When Jesus died on the cross, our old man was crucified with Him. You think about that. Do you know who the, the cross that Jesus was on, we assume was right in the middle, right? He had the one guy on the left and the other guy on the right. He was in the middle. Do you know who that cross was made for? It wasn't made for Jesus. Do you remember who it was made for? Yeah, Barabbas. They wanted Barabbas instead of Jesus. Jesus took the place of Barabbas. That's the thing we don't often realise, the cross was made for somebody else. And that cross was made for you and I. Because you and I are Barabbas. We're the criminals that got let off. We're the criminals that were given freedom. Imagine how Barabbas was feeling, wow. But it's the same feeling we should feel as well because of what Jesus has done for us. I was the criminal for whom the cross was made. I was the criminal for whom the cross was made. It fitted me exactly. It was perfect for me. This was my old nature. This was the old Adam, God's remedy. Our our old man was crucified with Christ. It's It's a historical fact. It's true whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. But if you do know it, And if you do believe it, it can change your life. Not only are your past sins forgiven, but your old rebellious nature is dealt with. And when He's dealt with that old nature, you don't have this rebel inside you urging you to do the things that are wrong. So you can make good choices in your life. I've met people who have travelled halfway around the world to try and resolve their problems, running away from a wife or running away from a husband or a situation. I always tell these people, listen, you can run as far as you like, but you'll never get away from your problem because it's 
the problems inside of you. That's your real problem. And the ultimate act of worship and the most commonly, by the way, the most commonly described one in the Bible is actually to prostrate yourself on your face before God. That is the most common posture of worship in the Bible. Isn't that interesting? It has meaning and it means I now totally give my life to God. It means, Lord, I can do nothing without You. I can't even start. I can't do things as I ought to do without You. God, I'm totally dependent on You. If You don't give, then I have nothing to give. (laughs) And the most secure place to be is on your face, on the floor, because you can't go any lower than that. That's as low as it gets. John Bunyan, he said this, he said, He that is down, need fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble, ever shall have God to be His guide. See, when you're on the floor and you say, Lord, I've come as low as I can come. There's only one way I can go from now on. And that's up. And it's a very, very secure feeling to have, very secure feeling to have. Genesis 17 verse three, I am almighty God, El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Worship, getting prostrate before God and allowing God to speak. God began to speak to Abram as he was laying prostrate on the ground. And really, ultimately, they're the kind of the different aspects of our body posture. But at the end of the day, I mean, we haven't even got into dancing. I wanted to get onto the dancing. That was gonna be awesome. You know, David danced before the Lord and Michael looked on. Michael, his wife, Michael, or however you wanna say it, looked on, Saul's daughter, Remember, he got a princess for killing Goliath. Her name was Michael. But when she saw David dancing before the Lord, she despised him. And and the fruit of that was uh, that she was not able to have children the whole of her life. There was no fruitfulness from her life because of it. And too many of us, we look on at people who are worshipping what we would say would be abnormal, which God would say was normal. And we mock and we jest and we laugh and we scoff. And I think you've got to be very careful with that. You've got to watch, watch how you respond and how you react to some things like that. People should be able to worship the way they want to worship. If I was in Africa, we'd all be dancing. It would be weird not to be, not to be dancing in worship right from the start of the song. Now, it doesn't mean we all have to dance. It's just that's how they do it. How do we do it? How do you do it? What's your, look, I'm gonna worship the Lord with all my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. So we've got strength in there. We've got mind in there. We've got heart in there. We've got our soul, mind, will and emotions. They're all tied up in that. I'm gonna worship with all of that. In other words, I'm gonna worship. David danced before the Lord with all his strength, all his might. And he was a great man of valour. He was a fighter. He wasn't some puny little kid. He was actually very strong. 
and yet he was dancing with all his might. What would that have looked like? Well, let's not look too far because he was in a linen ephod. We're still not sure what that actually means. But anyway, it wasn't much because Michael says, why are you dancing naked before all these women? You crazy guy. And, uh, and so it can't have been too much. Anyway, so he, he's um, with all his might. In other words, have you ever got hot and sweaty in worship? That's one way of thinking about it. When did you last get hot and sweaty in worship? When did you last actually come into a place of absolute abandonment of who cares? I'm worshipping God anyway. Tell you what, they're the greatest moments and they're the moments that will change your life. You know, coming in here and worshipping and kind of like, you know, oh, this is nice, Brent. I love the music. Oh, it's so awesome. Hearing a nice preach and all that and then going out again. That's not gonna cut it for you. Worship will cut it. And worshipping with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Worshipping God in the way that you kind of don't necessarily feel comfortable with. You might feel uncomfortable about it, but you know you've got to do it because you know it's breakthrough for you. Jesus Christ is Lord. I mean, that can be a breakthrough for you. Some Christians can't even say that because they're so bound up. Oh man, I've got so much more guys. Flip, it's in my head. Get out, in Jesus' Name. We've got to finish because we've got to worship. We've got to, we've got to put this into practice. I don't really want you just standing there. In fact, it would be awesome if we just, why don't we just utilise the whole auditorium and let's worship God. Uh, why, why don't we, um, we're going to do two songs. One is the I Thank God. Jared, is Esther here? She's coming, okay. There were a group of, um, of our preteens who were, Really get doing cool with that I Thank God song. And uh, you know, you've got to jump, turn around a little bit, you know, so it'll just free you up a bit. And then we'll go into Here I Am to Worship. Is that right? Here I Am to Worship. Here I Am to Bow Down. Now you can do whatever you want. Some of you may feel like you want to kneel. Some of you may feel like you just want to bow your head. Some of you may, may feel like you want to lift your hands, want to raise your hands. Some of you may feel like you want to kneel. Some of you may feel like you want to prostrate yourself before the Lord. Feel free. Uh, well, the reason for it is because there's got to be freedom in worship. Rigid, staunch, and all tied up. And see, like your spirit connects with God. Your spirit then speaks to your soul. See, David said, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Who was talking to his soul? His spirit was. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It was kind of like, come on, soul. What are you doing? His spirit was speaking to his soul. And then your soul speaks to your body. That's how it works with soul, spirit, soul, and body. So you t- you, your spirit speaks to your soul. I gotta worship, I gotta worship. Then your soul says, okay, this is how I'm gonna do it. And so you get into this physical environment of raising your hands lift, or, or whatever, whatever those things we've talked about. Okay, is that good? I gotta, fi- I gotta finish. Father, I just, I pray right now in these, in these moments, before we move on to everything else that we've gotta do yet, because I, got up pretty early. Um, But God, I know that You are here in this place. And I tell you what, I don't even think we need an altar call this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'd just be shouting if I was You. Jesus Christ is Lord. You watch the change that comes on your life. I'd be singing if I was You. I'd be kneeling. I'd just be lay prostrate before the Lord. Just do what You need to do. It's not just kind of a put your hand up right now. We're not doing that this morning. Simply Your heart your desire, what you want to do in this place that actually brings a freedom into your life. You want freedom? 
then your spirit will speak to your soul and your soul will speak to your body. That's how it works. So Father, I pray in Jesus' Name that there would be a spirit of worship in this place. We'd know what it is to worship in spirit and in truth in Jesus' Name. We trust you enjoyed this message. And if you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch. You can either visit our website or email us at info at annasbrook.co.nz. 